We're going to go to the book of Psalms tonight. Book of Psalms, Psalm 147, Psalm 147. Um, I sit in my study this afternoon and going over my message for Job tonight. We've just got a couple more, a few more, finish out the book of Job and I went over it, went back, made some changes, went over it, went over it, went over it, and it just wasn't there. It just was not there. It just wasn't there. And so I think, I do believe that the Lord led us here to Psalm 147, and by the end of the service, we'll know whether he did or not. So anyway, if you'll pray for me and with me as we get into this, we'll see what God has for us. Psalm 147, verse 2. The Lord doth build, well, let's read verse 1. Verse 1 is good. Let's, let's read verse 1. Let's read verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. He is worthy of our praise. Amen. He is worthy of our praise. Come on. The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to learn to praise God more. We really do need to learn to praise God more. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcast of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. I titled the message, uh, Rescue the Perishing. So let's pray, and I'll try to preach. Father, thank you, Lord, once again, just for your goodness to us. We pray for clarity, um, direction, power, boldness, um, or just for your guidance. As we open our mouth, we pray that you'd fill it, for without you we can do nothing. Lord, we are thankful for the folks that are here tonight. We pray you'd bless us and help us now, please, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. <clears throat> There's a story told about a nurse that was in Vietnam in the, during the Vietnam War who after the uh, a, a battle would go to the battle area on her own. She would just go on her own and she would personally bring the wounded back. And she'd bring everybody she could. I mean, anybody that, that she could find that, that had been left and she could handle, I mean, she'd bring the wounded back to the camp where the, where the hospital was set up. She was uh, reprimanded by the doctors uh, many a time, told that she wasn't qualified to do that, much too dangerous to go out there. What are you doing going out there by yourself? But she just kept going. She kept going. And one day after a great big battle, uh, she was rebuked out in the field. She was out there tending to the wounded that was out there and looking for people that she could bring back to the hospital. And she was rebuked by an officer that was out there, I mean, harshly, and he, he, said, he said, what are you doing out here? And here's what she said. I'm still looking for the wounded. I mean, that was her purpose. I mean, she wasn't looking for glory. She wasn't just trying to pass time. She was looking for the wounded, those that needed help. You know, that's really a part of our Christian responsibility 
Helping the wounded. I mean, those, those wounded by sin, certainly. We're looking for them. But just those that are hurting. Those that need help. It's part of our responsibility. I think we get so wrapped up in our own life sometimes that uh, we don't have time for the wounded. We don't have time for the down and out. We, we don't have time for the castaways. We, we don't have time for those that just can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps and come on, get on going. We just don't have time for that. But even in our text here, we see the Lord gathering up the outcast. What it, it says, he gathered together the outcast of Israel. I'm thankful that he gathers the outcast. I'm thankful that he heals broken hearts. I'm thankful that he binds up wounds. And a song of praise here, it's, you know, a song of praise is being rendered to the Lord because, because he builds and he gathers and he heals and he binds because he, I'm told, we're talking about Jehovah God. He is the source of all power. Verse number two, it deals with the physical aspects of God's care of Jerusalem, a place, of course, of religious authority at the time. You know, after we were saved, if you're here tonight and you're saved, after we were saved, God could have just taken us to heaven. There's been many a time, I have to admit, that I wish he would have. Well, Lord, I wish that years ago when you saved me, you'd have just gone ahead and taken me to glory. And man, oh man, oh man, I'd already be walking down the street of gold. But he needed us. No, 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 that, no, 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 that ought to motivate us. He, he needed us to go into this battlefield of life and to look for the wounded, to look for those that need help. And they're out there everywhere. Luke 14, 23 says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Well, preacher, how are we supposed to do that? Acts 1.8. But yet ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Witnesses to who? The outcast. The wounded. The hurting. Do you know there's people out there right now seeking for answers? I mean, they, they want to know what this life is all about. Why the world gone so haywire i mean what in the world's going on is the end really coming i mean are we close to it is jesus coming back they're out there mark 16 15 says go ye into all the go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature we're to be looking we are to be looking for the hurting we are to be looking to, uh, for the wounded uh, we have gotten so to the place where we that, that, that we're, everything's so inward. It, it's about us. It's about me. It's about what my needs are. What my, well, who's going to meet my needs? Well, you know, if we're busy looking unto others, God will take care of our needs. No, I'm telling you, it would help a lot of people. Are you listening to me still? It would help a lot of people to just look to try to be a help to others because if they would ever get their eyes off themselves, they could live a much better life. A much more joy-filled life. A much more fulfilled life. 
truly, because it's God's plan. He saved our soul, left us here, that we might go out and try to help others. You know, if you're if you ever get accused, if you ever get accused of being single-minded, let it be that you're always looking for wounded. Man, that guy's always just looking for somebody else to talk to about Jesus. He's always just trying to get somebody else to come to church. He's always just trying to talk to somebody about their soul or whatever the case may be. Looking for the wounded. We need to bring the wounded to the great physician. I mean, the one that can heal their wounds, their spiritual wounds. I mean, wounds of the past. I'm telling you, people are hurting everywhere. And of course, we know that the answer is Jesus Christ. You know, preacher, we, we could be doing so much more out there, out and about, and going out and 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 helping people and and doing you know community service and things like that. Look, I'm not against that. If the Lord leads you to do something, I'm not against that at all. I'm I'm not against it whatsoever. But I'm telling you, the great need for the people, everybody that's out there, the great need for them is to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And we've gotten to a place in the United States of America where we're almost afraid to talk about Jesus to anybody. We might offend somebody. Well, what if they're Muslim? Well, then they need Jesus. Well, what if they're Catholic? Well, then they need Jesus. Well, I mean, what if they don't believe in God? Then they need Jesus. I'm telling you, no, no, it doesn't matter. We are so scared of offending people. We are so scared of making people mad along the way. We're so scared that even our own family members, I mean, we won't talk to them because they just get upset about it all the time. I'm telling you, people need Jesus. People are wounded in spirit. People are dead in their trespasses and sin. And they need Jesus Christ. And there's not anybody sitting in this auditorium or standing tonight. There's not anybody in here that can't be trying to get somebody to the Lord. That can't do something along the way to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. To invite people to church over and over again. There's testimonies of people that are sitting in this auditorium that are here because somebody invited them to church. There's testimonies of people that, uh, no, no, that, that people that work beside them, they just wouldn't let them alone. They wouldn't let them alone. You need to come to church. You need to come to church. We want you to come to church. Would you come to church this Sunday? Will you come to church this Sunday? Will you come to church? Will you come to church Wednesday? Will you come to church? Will you come to church? Till finally, they just said, I just came because I wanted to get him off my back. And they ended up getting saved by the grace of God. Their whole life was turned around because of it. I'm telling you, we should be out there hunting for the wounded. Trying to get people to Jesus. Well, you know, preacher, I invite people to church, they don't come. Right. I invite people to church and they come to church and then nothing really happens. Look, our responsibility is to do what God has left left us here to do, to try to get the gospel to people. I mean, either you're plowing or you're planting or you're watering and we're expecting God to give the increase. 
But if we're not doing any plowing and we're not doing any planting and nobody's watering along the way, we're not going to see the increase that we would see if we were busy. I'm talking to all of us. Well, you know, so-and-so really doing a great job of it. Yeah, but what are you doing? Well, but you know, I just don't have... Oh, no, 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 no. Don't make excuses. All of us can be doing something. We can be doing something. And, and, and truly, I, I, I'm telling you, people are out there and their only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the people are wounded and we need to be bringing the wounded in. Well, preacher, why are people wounded? Where does all, all this wound come from? What, what's happened that leaves people wounded and hurting? Well, let, let me just touch a few things and I'll try to get through this quickly. I'll try to get this quickly. I think a lot of people are wounded by the devil. It's pretty easy to see he's real busy in our world today. I mean, everywhere you turn, it's really gotten out of hand. It's gotten crazy. And it's really Satan's nature and purpose to wound and destroy all that he possibly can. We know that he came to steal and to kill and destroy. He loves to do that. And he started a long time ago. I mean, back in the book of Genesis in chapter 2. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Uh, on down in that same chapter, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden, thou may freest eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So man stood before Almighty God as the masterpiece of his creation. He created all these things. Then he created man. I'm going to put you in this perfect place. Everything's going to be good if you'll just obey this one commandment. I'll give you one commandment. You can do whatever you want. Everything in here belongs to you. What ever but don't touch this one tree he said if you do that it's not going to be good then in Genesis chapter 3 the old devil uh, shows up he tempts Eve to eat the forbidden fruit saying ye shall not surely die he's still doing that today he loves to twist the word of God he loves to make God look like he's just trying to keep good stuff away from us that you know man oh man God just doesn't want you to have a good time God just doesn't want that preacher he's always telling you shouldn't go here and shouldn't go there he just doesn't want you to have a good time I'm telling you the devil still uses that ploy today as he used it back then and they ate the fruit they were wounded they were stripped of all righteousness at that time man is born and now because of that man is born spiritually blind if we could say it this way satan gouged out the eyes of his soul and left him in darkness and we know this that that man is separated from god and he's no longer able to fellowship with god he he's hiding among the bushes like he did back then but but even there, over there in the book of Psalms, I mean, God oh, God walked into the battlefield, if you can. And, he, and, and the Bible says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? Well, what's he doing, preacher? He's looking for the wounded. He's ready to heal their wounds. Do, do you understand? It, it's not like... Okay, Adam, I'm looking for you. And if I can find you, you've had it, buddy. Some of my fruit's gone. I found it. You've had it. Where are you? Come on out of hiding. I'm going to thump your head. That's not our God. Adam, I'm here. I want to help you. Just come to me. I can help you. I can heal you. And this battle is still going out throughout our world. And as long as man is here on this earth, 
There's going to be hurting people. People that need what we as believers have. And it is up to each of us to go and find them. Wounded by the devil, but also wounded by sin. Because of that, because of what happened in the garden, the sin of disobedience began to grow like a plague, didn't it? Oh no, it's still alive and well today, isn't it? The sin of disobedience. No, no, we know what God would have us to do, but we're not going to do that. Oh, we know what God does not want us to do, but we go ahead and do that. No, the sin of disobedience is still alive and well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely so. Sin had done its pleasure. On down in Genesis chapter 6, it says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth. It grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. He was sorry he made man. Man, I, I've got to think, Lord, are you, I, I, don't want, I don't want Lord, the Lord to be sorry he made me. And the eyes of the Lord began to run to and fro on the earth looking for the wounded. Genesis chapter 6, 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So God destroys the world and gives mankind a new start. But, but this new world, it's fallen also. Even though Noah was a righteous man in the eyes of the Lord, the sin curse still carried on. And we know this, sin destroys nations, it destroys homes, it destroys lives, doesn't it? Sure it does. The world's greatest problem is sin. Because it entices, and it enslaves, and it brings death. It destroys everything it touches. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.19, now we know that, that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Sin. Isaiah 59.2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. We're separated from God. When we are born in this world, we've got a sin problem. And we as Christians, if we're not careful, we have unconfessed sin in our lives that we just run with and we become so comfortable with it. We become so comfortable with it, it doesn't even bother us anymore. And we think we can throw up a prayer every once in a while and God's just going to rain down His blessings upon us. We are so fooled. We've lost our sense of purpose of why God saved us. God saved us that we might tell other people about Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to say it again. God saved us that we might tell other people about Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it ten times if I have to because it is absolutely the truth. And if we are not doing what we can do, at least what we can do, little we can do about getting the gospel out to this lost and dying world, we are not fulfilling the purpose of which God left us here after he saved us. You might as well go ahead and say amen right there. And if the devil doesn't work any harder at anything else, he works tremendously hard at trying to get us to not talk to people about Jesus. And he does a good job at it too. And he has shut most Christians' mouths today where they're afraid to say anything. 
They're afraid to go to anybody. They're afraid to witness to anybody around them. And they don't enjoy their Christianity. Most, mo, no, no, no. Most believers today, I believe this, Brother Andrew, endure their Christianity. They endure it. They don't enjoy it. Because they're not doing those things they should do. Well, preach, you don't understand. Well, you know, I, I, I work around the church. Good. We, we need plenty of workers. You know, I sing in the choir. Brother Bronner's happy about that. I do this and I do that and I'm a singer and I'm a whatever the case may be. But if you're not telling people about Jesus, you're not fulfilling your purpose that you were left here. And when we don't fulfill, no, you wake up over there. If we, we don't fulfill the purpose that God left us here to fulfill, we will never be fulfilled as a Christian. It will always just be some poo dead religion thing to us. It will always just seem like we're under the law because that preacher, man, he just won't get off my back and say, we ought to be doing this and we ought to be doing that and all this. No, no, no. That's what people hear. People that don't care anything about, mm, people don't care anything about living for God, sharing Jesus with other people. That's all they hear. They just feel like you're just one of them legalistic churches. You just try to make people feel bad with your preaching so they'll just do what you want them to do. I mean, no, no, that's the way they take in stuff. That's the way they see it. The devil is such a liar. He's such a deceiver. And, and, and I'm telling you, he's got people to where they can sit in a good church, even such as this one, and they hear all these things. And they hear the soul-winning challenges, and they know truly that people need Jesus Christ, but they won't do anything to help people get to Jesus Christ. Wounded by sin. No, no, sin's got them down. Well, preacher, it's not like I'm snorting cocaine or something. Well, that's good. That's good. But what is it that's keeping you from being the Christian that God wants you to be? What is it? There's some sin somewhere. I mean, ask God to search your heart. What is it that keeps me from being everything that God would have me to be? Well, preacher, it may, I, you know, all I can think about is, you know, now that you say it, all I can think about right now in my life is that I'm not telling people about Jesus. Oh, ding, 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 ding. You win the prize. It may very well be. No, no, it may very well be that that's the one thing that's keeping you from being fulfilled the way that God wants you to be fulfilled. You know, maybe, maybe you're not smoking cigarettes. Hopefully, maybe you're not dipping snuff. Ladies, we don't like you when you dip snuff. I had to wake somebody up somehow like that. No, no, maybe you're not in any terrible, terrible sin, but you're not doing what God would have you to do. There's people out there wounded by sin. There's people in here wounded by sin. The devil's done his, God, the devil's done his job too good. There's wounded people all around us. I mean, what are you doing to see to their needs? What are you doing to see to their needs? You know, isn't it crazy? The political world tends to, um, the political world will attempt to heal the hurting with entitlements, don't they? Come on, I'm going to send you a check. You're going to get some handouts. Uh, you can have a new iPhone. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But that's not going to heal anything. It, it just makes the problem more severe. Uh, over the last 50 to 75 years, most of America has decided to let the politicians take care of them. 
As long as the politicians are taking care of us, what do we got to worry about? I mean, as long as we're getting money in the mail, as long as they're going to give us money so we're not going to starve and everything, what, what, is, what do we worry about? But that's like the blind leading the blind. Uh, okay, that's like the retarded leading the retarded. Uh, okay, well, that's not politically, politically correct, preacher. Well, I've not been very politically correct most of my life, so it's too late to start now. I'm an old man. Get off my lawn. One of the reasons a politician gets elected is that he can convince people that he's going to do more than the other person that's running for that office. Man, we hear all this different stuff. We, we, we've lost that internal desire to care and provide for ourselves. Come on, that's why we got 30-year-old men sitting in their basement playing video games. Or their parents are upstairs going, I sure wish he'd get a job. Did I say that out loud? Sin has done that to us. How many are we comforting? I I, I mean, how many are we really trying to help? That really is our purpose while we're here waiting for the Lord to come back. A lot of people have just been wounded by society. But God can heal all the wounds if we'll just let him. I mean, we go into Genesis chapter 12 and God makes a promise to Abraham to be a father of many nations and God promised to give him a son Abraham, like so many today, just started to run ahead of God, and Ishmael was born. Isn't that something? And he's been a problem ever since. Ishmael rose up against Isaac, and God told Abraham to send Ishmael and Hagar away. You know that God cares about everybody? Genesis chapter 21 says this, And Abraham rose up early in the morning, took bread, a bottle of water, gave it unto Hagar, put it on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Verse 17, And God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Feel not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. God cared about that boy. No, no, no. You notice the statement there, where he is? Does God know? Does God know where does God know where these people are? Sure he does. Does God know where you are? Sure he does. He knows right where you are, and he knows right what you need, and he stands ever ready to supply and to heal and to care for all of your needs. It's submitting ourselves to him. No, we go on to read the story, we know that God found them and he gave them water and he healed their wounds. And I'm telling you, the same, is, the same is true today for the outcast of our society. Come on, there was, one that, there was one who came from heaven down to Bethlehem's manger who walked the shores of Galilee looking for the wounded and he found them everywhere. In John chapter 4, he found prostitutes and Samaritans and blind and the crippled and demon-possessed and the outcast of the whole earth. He met a woman that said, come see a man who told me everything that I've ever done. Well, who is this man? He's a, he, is, he is God come in the flesh, and he's looking for the wounded. And the wounded came by the multitudes to find him. If you've been an outcast of society, if you've been wounded, he's looking for you. A lot of people are just wounded by self. What do you mean, preacher? Proverbs 11.4 says, Riches profit 
not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 21, 4 says, And high look, and a proud heart, and the plowing of wicked is sin. And high look, a proud heart, that means boastful, high-minded, haughty spirit. We could think about a lot of different Bible stories because of pride. Naaman almost missed being healed. I'm not going to go down that river. That's a nasty place. Why should he say not that? We know that Uzziah was struck down with leprosy. The Pharisees, who even had a chance to repent, said, Give us Barabbas! Crucify Jesus! Because they were so proud. They wanted their status. They didn't want anybody to come and take their place. They weren't about to drop that pride. Just admit they needed Jesus. Pride is a sin that deceives all of us. And its effects are found everywhere. Pride is condemning all who embrace it. Because pride causes men and women not to humble themselves. The world is full of them. Too proud to humble themselves before an almighty God. Too proud to admit that they're sinners. Too proud to admit they can't do anything about their condition without God. And that is, that is a pride that will send them to hell. And we have a responsibility to try to encourage them to come to the one who can heal all their wounds. We have that responsibility. Isaiah 53, 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Pride too many times makes, it, uh, makes its appeal through the ear gate, people get built up, it's been called the disease of the ear, it's the number one it's, it's number one on God's hate list. Proverbs 6.16, these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, and the first one's a proud look. God hates pride. It's what got, it's what got the devil kicked out of heaven. God hates pride. And it tempts us all. Pride tends to overvalue self and undervalue other people. And it's been used by the devil to wound hundreds and thousands of people. Oh, we've got a lot of Bible examples. Saul, Eve, David, Achan. Peter up on a rooftop. He was, he, he, he was, too, he was, he was too proud when he told God, uh, uh, when God told him to rise and eat, and Peter said, no. Wait, 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 Peter. God told you to get up. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. It was just pride. Just a sign of carnality. We can have victory. We can have victory over this. Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Maybe it's time we just come clean. Lord, I'm not doing everything you want me to do. 
Lord, I'm doing some things you don't want me to do. Preacher, you know, if I, you know, if I come down to the altar, people are going to think, look, let me stop you. It doesn't matter what people think when you come to the altar. That's just the devil whispering in your ear, trying to get you not to come to the altar. It doesn't matter what people think. You're not coming to the altar for people. You're coming to the altar to to talk to God. It's a humbling. Our altars are very rarely used on Sunday morning. I I don't understand that completely. Everybody's just so ready to go to lunch. Man, I tell you, preacher, he's preaching a little long. We got, or, or, you know, well, we got these visitors. And if I go down, you know, I'm all dressed up my Sunday best. If I go down there, what are people going to think? It does not matter what people think at all, whether it's visitors or longtime members or whatever the case may be. It does not matter what people think. If God speaks to our heart about anything, big or small or in between, we need to be talking to God about it. We've gotten so formal. We've gotten to the place where we just don't... Those wounded by self need to be healed, but the only one that can heal them is the Lord Himself. They need to come down. No, no, no. You've wounded yourself. For the believer, it's just submission. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. What the Bible says. Well, preacher, I know I'm not doing everything God would have me to do. You know what that is? It's sin. Okay, think about this then. Wounded by uh, starvation. Jesus says he's a bread of life. He can solve all hunger problems. Mankind's starving today because they have not had a nutritious diet. Certainly you look around America, you know I'm not talking about food. I'm smiling. It's okay. No, no, no. I'm, no, no. I'm, I'm guilty as anybody in that department. I, I, I'm smiling. And we see a lot of... We see a great amount of social concern for the hungry that are in the world, and 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 and, and I don't want people to be hungry, but but not much effort spent on those same people to feed their starving soul. The Lord will feed us with His Word. Matthew 4, 4 says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Man feeds the flesh rather than feeding the soul. And I'm telling you, we Baptists are pretty guilty about that. Most of mankind spends money to feed their flesh, which in terms... No, 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 listen to me, please. Which in turn starves the spirit. They spend money to feed the flesh, which in turn starves the spirit. I don't know if I'm following you, preacher. Television, internet, social media, sports, recreation. We have no trouble spending money on all that. And we spend more time with that than we do 
feeding our soul. And we don't have any trouble with that. You know why we don't have any trouble with that? Because it's what we desire. We want that. It doesn't confront us. It makes us feel good. Where a lot of different times, this doesn't make us feel so good. No, I'll say it again. Sometimes this doesn't make us feel so good. Sometimes we see this, well, we look in this and we see ourselves staring back and what we see is ugly. We're starving. We know every statistic of every sports team and everybody across this, the country, but we can't quote 10 Bible verses. We're starving. No, no, it's believers today. A lot of us are in starvation mode. Not many spend more than two or three minutes a day in their Bible. I read sometime back that the average Christian spends less than 30 seconds a day in any devotional activity. 30 seconds a day. No wonder so many churches are filled with starving people. No wonder so many churches are filled with people that have no real desire to tell people about Jesus Christ. No wonder churches are filled with people uh, that have no real desire to be separated from this world and live a life of holiness and do those things that God would have them to do. They're starving. They're spiritually starving. Well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to feed us. I'm supposed to feed you. Yeah, and I try, but you've got to eat too. Well, I do when I come to church. Okay, so, okay, okay, let me challenge you with this. Eat two meals on Sunday and one on Wednesday. And don't eat anything on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Oh, no, now I'm not talking about Bible. I'm talking about your icebox. I'm talking about your cabinet. No, no, just go ahead. Eat two meals on, on Sunday, morning meal, evening meal, Wednesday night, cook you up something. But don't eat anything on Tuesday or Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Don't eat anything and see how long you last. And there's people, they come, and they may get a little nourishment on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but they're not getting a whole lot of nourishment on the other days. And they're spiritually starving. They're wounding themselves. They're spiritually anemic. And if you're willing to help cure the matter, the Bible's the only means of nutritional buildup for anybody. That's why I encourage you all of the time to read your Bible, study your Bible, know the Bible. One more. You got time for one more? I think a lot of people are wounded by sorrow. That's a tough one. There's a lot of sorrow in this lifetime, isn't there? Us older folks, we realize that a little bit more. I 
One source I looked up this afternoon says there's 163,898 people that die every 24-hour period worldwide. 163,000, almost 164,000 people die every 24-hour period. That's more than, that is more than 100 people a minute worldwide. So, so while, we're in this, while we're in this service, more than 6,000 people will go off into eternity. You know, that means that in a 12-hour period, more people than the population of St. Joseph will die. In a 12-hour period. And every one of those are human beings. All of them have a soul, we know that. Every time you take a breath, somebody's put into a grave. Every one of them is going to spend eternity somewhere. And with everyone that dies, that comes sorrow to others, doesn't it? Sorrow. I mean, think of the sorrow that's being compounded every hour with people dying. The, the, the broken heart of a mother that, that held her baby in her arms and, and watched that baby take its last breath. I mean, that sorrow never leaves. Or, or, or the news to a family that, that their, their, their soldier has been killed on a battlefield. To watch somebody take their last breath. Sorrow. And sorrow can bring worry. I mean, worry. We're not supposed to worry. I know. But it can bring worry, can't it? No, no, worry like, well, how am I going to do this now? And what's going to happen in my future? And, and how can I go on in life? How, how am I going to live without them? Those are all thoughts that sorrow can bring. And I know, I understand, we need, to let, we need to let this thought prevail in our mind. Why worry when we can pray? I know that we need that. I know that we need that. I try to convince myself of that or, or encourage myself with that on a regular basis. But sorrow can bring worry. It can also bring disillusionment. Sorrow can if you've experienced deep sorrow, you know it, that it makes you weary. I mean, I mean, it, you just you, you know that it can cause you to be disillusioned. It, 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 sorrow is it, it, it's it's just hard. Sorrow sorrow can bring you to a place of of uh, a place that of isolation where you you just don't want to do anything else. And we know this for sure: sorrow can bring doubt. Well, if God's real, why do I have to deal with such sorrow? No, I've heard that several times in the past couple of weeks. It can bring doubt. 
Is God really there for us? Does God really care? Yes, He's really there for us. Does He really care? Yes, He really cares. People out there are wounded. We need to be there for them. We need to assure them that Jesus is there. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in my souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, we know that, but I mean, it's good for us to share that with others at times. Does Jesus care? Oh, He cares. Does He care when I'm about the end of my rope? Oh, He cares. Does he care when it seems like nobody else is there? Yes, he cares. He's there. When the tears are flowing, he's there. When your heart is broken, he's there. When it seems like nobody else cares, he's there. When it looks like when it when it looks like your whole life is falling apart, he's there. Psalm chapter 30 verse, verse number 5 says, "Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning." Well, we spend the night with God. We, we talk to God and we ask for all that He can do for us. This world, this world is covered with wounded. And we know it's a large battlefield. Why don't we decide that we are going to do everything our, we can to make sure that our hearts, our lives are right with God. Well, I tell you, preacher, I'll just live the way I want to. I know. Oh, no, I've had enough people tell me that throughout my almost 30 years of ministry now. Yeah, I know. There's people that are going to be like that. Well, I'll just keep doing what I want to do. I, I, I know. And you can choose to do that. But you'll not be used by God the way He wants to use you and be like that. You'll not be a help and a blessing to other people along the way and live like that. Well, I don't care. See, that's your problem. You don't care. All you care about is you. Make sure you're comfortable. Make sure you're happy. Make sure you're fulfilled by worldliness and temporal matters and carnalness as long as you have the car you want, the television you want, and the bass boat you want, and all the toys that you want. Everything's going to be fine. As long as I can have a boyfriend, as long as I can have a girlfriend, as long as I can just do what I want to do. That's our problem. What is it God wants you to do? Are, are you doing what He wants you to do? Uh, and the devil's lying to you even right now. Well, you know, if I do that, then I can't run in there. If I do that, then I'm just not going to be happy. I hate the devil so much. I hate him so bad. He's lying to you. You'll never find any more true happiness than doing exactly what God would have you to do. Yeah. Let's rescue the perishing. Because the wounded are everywhere. 
There's wounded sitting in here right now. You know what you need to do? You need to come down and you need to get the help that only God can give. Because people are hurting. And you could be helping. What you need to do tonight is just drop all of your pride and come to the one that can heal you. So that you might go out and rescue the perishing. Let's be real honest with God tonight, okay? Let's be real real honest with ourselves tonight, okay? Because we may not have that much longer to do what God wants us to do. Ah, preacher, I'm still young. I've got a lot of life to live. Maybe not. You're not even sure you'll make it home tonight. No, I'm not trying to be a preacher of doom and gloom. It's just a fact. I mean, we don't even know we'll make it back to our own homes tonight. We really don't. I mean, it'd be a shame to think that we had an opportunity to do whatever God would have us to do. I mean, to let God deal with us. It'd be a shame to think that, that we had an opportunity to do that and we didn't take that opportunity and we didn't make it back home tonight or we didn't see the sunrise in the morning and we end up looking Him face to face. Why don't we just do what God wants to do tonight? Why don't we just get real honest with ourselves and honest with God? And let him have his will and way in our life. Let's all stand. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the Bible. Thank you that you are a God that cares. Thank you for your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells in us as believers. Convict us now, Lord, where we need convicting. And convict us deeply enough that we'll come and do something that we'll come and talk to you about it, that we'll repent of things in our life, that we'll decide that we're going to do things different, that we'll put you first in our life. We'll put you first. There's people out there that we could be helping if we would just determine to walk with you. There's people around us that need what only you can provide. So help us, Lord, to be those ones that would help them to get there. Help us to go into the battlefield and search for the wounded. God, whatever needs to happen around these altars tonight, I pray that your will would be done in every heart and every life. Help us, Lord, to just surrender all. We thank you for your goodness and ask these things in the name of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano's going to play. We're just going to have piano play. Piano's playing. You need to come. Maybe you just need to make an altar right where you are. Whatever the case may be, do not pass up this chance to do business with God. Don't pass it up.